I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. What's up? Well, just got back from yoga today. I am really sinking into the life of yoga. I yoga quite regularly after work, before I come home, and I'm finding it's the perfect time to just debrief and leave work at work. And then you have your evening for yourself. And I would highly recommend it if you're not into yoga or just to try it out. It's such a great time. I refuse. I'm not into yoga and I will not do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love yoga. But I wanted to share something random today. I made a new friend at yoga. Her name is Annie and she's super cool. But while we were visiting in the change room, I couldn't help but overhear this other story happening beside me. And it was these three other girls talking and I'm not trying to eavesdrop, but I was concerned for this girl. She was basically talking about how this mouse and then her other friend was like no it was a rat and I was like we we live in Alberta it's not a rat but she was saying this mouse came out of nowhere jumped onto her and bit her and I was like how is she alive like what is going on where was she She, I don't I missed that part of the story but I was actually very concerned for her like and I've seen because it's gotten quite cold here in Alberta I've seen quite a few mouse like around like just while I'm walking around downtown, people have even said in our stairwells of our building, which is new, and I only live on the second floor. And so they're like, there are mice all around. Be careful, everyone. And I was like, ah. So this whole biting situation kind of took me back to that story of your friend Callie that yeah. we talked about before. <laughs> that got a mouse in her shirt and then she squished oh. it against her body. There must be some kind of like fear of mice because I've heard so many people you know, have that same like guttural reaction to mice. Like, um, a, I know, like a name for it? Yeah, we should look that up. Yeah, a I don't fear. know. I only know arachnophobia, which is my fear phobia. Spiders. Yeah, ratophobia. I'm going to look into it because I know my mom is also horrified with mice. And I think it's just like that trauma lives in me. And then I'm like thinking about mice all the time. And when I hear people say mice stories, I'm always like, ah! <laughs> the fact that it jumped on her and bit her though, like I think she's yeah. Supernatural powers now. Maybe. It's the beginning of one of those stories. (laughs) Her mouse senses are tingling and (laughs) well, Alex, what up with you? What up with me? (laughs) Um, I've been doing some writing, uh, which is really cool. And everyone's like, Oh, are you writing your book? And I'm like, No, don't be silly. (laughs) (laughs) I've written actually a few poems and short stories, though, all for contests. Nice. So those results are soon so I'll let you know if I win I'm really excited what are the prizes a thousand dollars is the grand prize that'd be a great Christmas bonus right I've been unemployed since June <laughs> so hey, you're living the good bonus. life <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing I wrote I was really proud of and it was so fun was this murder mystery and I hosted it for my roommates and some friends and I love murder mystery parties but I've gone to too many that have just turned into flops because they're just honestly I feel like those commercials right now like have you done a murder mystery and it didn't work <laughs> well try mine but I wrote a whole uh, sports theme murder mystery so you have to 
dress as like a sports person you have like your character a sports person can you tell I'm out of my league of what I'm <laughs> a sport player a player of a sport sure and <laughs> um, it like think of it as like almost like a giant game of clue so like each individual will get a note so if you're a baseball player you'll get a message that says like go to the kitchen and leave your baseball bat and then a murder will happen in the kitchen and you all need to go like look around for clues. And if you're like, oh my gosh, the baseball bat is here. Like maybe the baseball player was a murderer. And there's like three scenes of murder. I murdered three of my roommates. So I'm looking for new ones. Yeah. So it was actually so fun. It was a really great way to like get to know my roommates a little bit better. And it was super successful that I've decided to make it available for other people to buy. So here's my shameless plug. <laughs> Check it out on Etsy. I'll post it with the launching of this episode. It'll just be on our Instagram. I'll post the link. So nice. if you're looking to to murder your friends, check out this one. That's awesome. I have a question though. Like, so yeah. if you host, I've never been to a murder mystery at someone's Gosh, house. Really? Yeah. I've been to so many and host. I know. Thanks for the invite, Alex. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so like, how can people differentiate the clue versus like, if you're in someone's home, like who's to say that that baseball glove wasn't just there in their house? Like, how do we know? Or is it just observational? Like you have to kind of it's, it's all set up. So as the host, like if you were to buy this or host it, um, yeah. as the host, you know everything. So I wasn't like a player. I was just like hosting it. If I was hosting it, I would just make sure in those rooms that I didn't have any sports paraphernalia. Like each character, basically you need to dress as a character and then have something of significance towards your character. So we had like a soccer okay. player, a baseball player. There was a cyclist, a hiker, and everyone had like a prop that they could leave okay. in a space. So think of it as Clue when you're like, oh, I think it's Colonel Mustard with the pipe in the whatever room. It's right. sort of the same thing. I think it's a baseball player with the baseball bat in the kitchen. Okay. The same as that, but better. Fun. And so when you give out those murder cards to your friends, they can prepare by being like, oh, I'm the baseball player. I need this, this, and this. Yes. Okay. It has everything you need. So if you're if you're going to be the soccer player, it says, please dress as a soccer player and make sure you bring a soccer ball. And then- Costume beyond that is up to you if you want to go all out and get the whole thing, or if you just want to wear shorts and runners and carry a ball, great. Cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. And like, what a great way to celebrate Halloween. Yeah, I love Halloween. And I was worried. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be here. And I don't know a lot of people and I'm not going to be able to celebrate, but hosted a good shindig. That's awesome. Do you so want to talk cool. about our guest this week? Yeah. Amy well. was gosh really pushing she's like I have such a hankering to talk to an artist or someone that creates mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's just tis the season for me and my creativity to just burst out but I also feel like when the snowfall hits we need to stay like motivated and have a good outlook on things and I really think not that necessarily all art pieces do that but I find community art and especially being here in the city really like amplifies a message all around us. And so we are so fortunate to have a community artist and her name is Tiffany and she has done tons of art around the city of Calgary as well as her own personal art. So we're really excited to learn more about what she does and how she can best showcase within her community and what that work does for our communities too. Amazing. Well, that's... What's up? Uh Tiffany, I am pumped because can you explain your title? Like, what would you call your job title here that collectively 
you know, funds your art or is this solely your job right now? Yes. As of right now, this is my job. I go by the title of artist. <laughs> yes. Cool. This yeah. is tapping. <laughs> That's amazing to be able to do that. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely, it's weird to, to say that even like it's always the end goal is to be able to just do your art. <laughs> so to physically say it, it still feels weird because, you know, I've always had about 50 other jobs on the go all the time to, you know, create that flexibility, but always have income coming in. But yeah, to be an artist and have that be the way I live is, yeah, I'm really happy about it. And I love that you're like coming from your studio. So we get the pleasure of seeing <laughs> this beautiful artwork behind you. I know I've been able to like walk through this city and see, you know, Mel, our mutual friend, point out all these amazing artworks that you've done around the city. And it's just so stunning. It's beautiful, bright, and like you're very abstract too. I would say it's very modern. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely abstract. But yeah, it's that's probably is my favorite thing about public art. And where I knew I always wanted to grow into, it takes a lot longer to get into the public realm, but I knew that that's where I wanted to end up because that's where I fell in love with art was in the streets. Like yeah. being able to experience art wherever you are in the world. It's not exclusive. You don't have to know the galleries to get into. It's there for everyone. And that inclusivity is what really drew me to public art. And yeah, so that ability to be able to just walk down the street and take in stories is really important, I think, and really important for Calgary, especially right now, because it's, we're starting to take off in the public art realm. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say, cause it's winter. And I was like, yes, a hundred percent. Like we need to see some bright images on these walls. <laughs> we need hope. This too. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Hey, I'm just so interested because like, I feel like a lot of people have like, quote, like side hustles or side passions that are not like their main goal. Like a lot of people love a creative outlet. And then for me, I see a lot of people seeing art as like the side thing and not the conventional way to do things. Like, did you come up to a lot of obstacles growing up and like wanting to focus on art as your like sole income or your sole path? Definitely. Yeah. I think that is <laughs> a lifelong struggle as anyone wanting to pursue anything in the creative realm. Like I went to school for performance arts. So I went to school for acting and theater. And I think anything that is in that realm and my spouse is a DJ and musician. And it's one of those things where it is that constant struggle. And obviously it always starts out as the side hustle. And mm -hmm. if you are doing art and you're creative, you're doing it because you love the art form and you love the process and you're going to do it for free no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where it starts as, you know, it's a passion, it's a side hustle. And you do come into a lot of obstacles when you want to pursue it as a career, like as your full-time income and it be your sole job because for one, it's not reliable. You have to be really comfortable in the uncomfortable because there is no predictability in it. And there's just, there's a lot of things that would, hence why a lot of amazing creatives never get that like jumping off point because it's, there's so many obstacles in the way, life obstacles, right? Like it's, you have, if you have a family, there's just like different 
things that are going to get in the way of you being able to like take the plunge. And that's why I've always had many other jobs. Like my friends have always joked about, they're like, what do you do? Because <laughs> I was doing 10 jobs at once <laughs> because I was doing them all part-time, you know, to like make up this perfect schedule that allowed me to be an artist, but still have like, you know, full-time work out of all of these different things without being fully committed to one thing. So it's definitely like deciding to, for myself personally, like I just, being an artist and being creative is, there's no other option for me. It's just what I do and who I am. And like, I, I know that I'm going to find those ways to get through it. And for myself, I'm very fortunate in the, in the sense that I have a supportive spouse who is also in the arts. So like having somebody who understands the life choice you're making <laughs> because it is unconventional yeah. is really important because it's hard to get your family to be like, yeah, go do that and have no yeah. stability. <laughs> yeah. they, wor they worry about you. And naturally it's like, you see your friends not take that direction and you're always going to be down a very unconventional not linear path which can be lonely because it's completely different and that's where it's like those obstacles come in because there's a lot of self-doubt and yeah. all of that but I feel like when you are creative those things become smaller obstacles because the bigger obstacle is how do I do what I do yeah and how do I continue to find the ability and the communities to allow me to do what I do Mm -hmm. because it is important work and it's you think of anything that we consume on our free time it's usually an art form yes yeah. right so it's like the shift to it being a conventional way of living I think is on the horizon yeah. <laughs> but do I think it's an easy one to well, still understand no <laughs> well said I just feel like that saying the struggle is real it like came from artists. Like they know the real struggle. Like they're the people who are like desperately selling things like, you know, just to make sure they can continue that passion. And they're like, I gotta get out there. I got, and, and the relentlessness to not give up on it. Right. Like, Definitely. like you're saying, like the devotion to like, I'm going to do this. This is all I can do. I have to make this work. Yeah. It's definitely unconventional, but I mean, that's where being an artist doesn't mean you have to do it as well. You don't have to be a full-time artist. Yeah. That's like another misconception that like, you know, that's the end goal for every artist. And that's not the end goal for every artist, right? Like being a creative doesn't mean that it is your job and it's mm -hmm. how you make income, right? And that's where like art is this beautiful little thing where like you can do it in a small capacity or go all the way and it doesn't change your level of creativity. It's different for everybody, right? And that's what I love about it. Like I'm in a studio where it's an old hotel. So there's about 40 rooms in the building and there's artists in here where we're full-time working artists. And then there's artists who are just starting out. There's artists that are students. There's artists that have full-time jobs and do it as their side hustle. And it's like, they do markets and all of that. And it's like, you can do it any which way, yeah. which is the greatest thing about it right like there's no right or wrong way to create okay first of all I love this hotel studio yeah. <laughs> the idea of it but I feel like almost removed from it because when you like I'm picturing you know it's a hallmark Christmas movie season and everyone has these like kind of unattainable jobs you know they're the editor they're the artist like what is a typical day like for you are you like 
with fancy schmancy people or you just normally live in your life like I am is it really just like not as unattainable as I think <laughs> oh yeah I, I'm alone <laughs> there is nothing fancy <laughs> I mean being an artist is you spend a lot of time alone because you're the one that makes the work right so like you're usually alone creating I think what people also don't understand about like public art and mural and mural work and any type of installation type work you have to apply to all of those so there's a lot of like behind the scenes there's a lot of submissions there's a lot of grant writing there's a lot of proposal writing so there's a lot of like actually having to be on a computer and articulate your work to get the funding to do the projects and to get selected for specific things. So it's not all, I just get to paint. <laughs> I have to. Uh, yeah, you're, you're your own secretary. 20. Yeah. And yeah, your artist. And business manager. And, <laughs> and you're like the brains, the operations, you're everything. It kind of reminds me yeah. of like we did an episode with farmers and it kind of reminded me how like holistic farmers had to be because they were operators of like their business. Then they had to actually labor the land and everything. This is similar. Like you're having to do this studio space, like collect the materials, market for yourself, you know, write the grants and proposals, submissions. So making the artwork going... is like a small becomes like the easy part of it. The part that you just want to be doing all the time, but that's where it's like, if you want to turn it into your full-time thing, it's, it's a question you really have to ask yourself, like, is this really, do you just want to do artwork? Because there are those not glamorous parts to it that, you know, yeah. you don't have the funds to hire for all of those things. So you have to do it all just like any small business, right? So it's, yeah. it's definitely less glamorous than anybody thinks. The sustainability, right? Like if you want this project to last, it's like you're having to work at it every day. When I travel, I love buying art. I love going to like museums and taking an art museum in regularly. So I'm just kind of curious if there's a type of work or a piece of artwork that kind of like sits with you. I'm sure you get a lot, you see a lot with lots of other artists around you, but. Yeah, I feel like there, I could name a million of like pieces of artwork that have definitely sat with me and have so much to say but one that happened in this city it was um a temporary installation down in east village just under the bridge the cmlc i think it's called basically the organization down in east village they have a temporary art program where they do a new art installation every three years under the bridges just on the river walk and the last one, which just came down this past summer, but it was by a local artist, Katie Green, and she has work all over the world. And she's probably one of my favorite community public art realm artists. Her work just has speaks so much volumes, but these pieces were specifically a community piece. And she worked with community members of East Village. She spoke with them and got to know them. And then she created masks with them, like actual plaster masks. Okay. Um, and she made the masks with them. And then she photographed these people in the masks in that area all over the place. And they had such 
a huge impact, the installations of the people in the masks along the river. It was probably one of my favorite installations just because it spoke so much to mental health. It spoke so much to inclusivity and just the ability of like the masks that we hold on to ourselves that we wear all day, every day, just to get through our day. We're all, you know, wearing multiple masks to cover up so many things. And it was a really like powerful piece that was in the city for three years. And I know she's trying to get a, another version of that project up in BC. Yeah, that's definitely one. I like that. That's really, that's cool. Do you find like viewing art, you know, sometimes people say if they like know how to make movies and they're on film sets, now they can't watch a movie without like picking it apart or like seeing it a certain way. Do you find like knowing the behind the scenes of art makes your experience different or like enhances your experience maybe I think if it makes a difference just just in a better sense because I went to school for theater and film so I know that saying of like you look at it differently but for myself personally I'm a self-taught artist and the reason I do art is because I just like I'm a fan of art first then I do art second and that's like I love art and then I love to do it so it's I don't really pick anything apart because I, I feel like that's like a tricky space to live in because you can get in the trap of like picking your own work apart constantly. And yeah, so it's for myself, I just love the ability to see artwork everywhere, especially in this city where that was hard for a long time, right? Like for anyone that wanted to share their art publicly, it was really difficult to get the funding to share your work unless it was very commercialized. So to be able to see all types of work, whether it's your taste or not, because mm -hmm. not everyone is going to like everything. Yeah. And that's completely fine. Like if someone walks by a piece and they're like, I don't like that. That's perfect. The purpose is that there's this space for it, mm -hmm. that there's a space for it and somebody is going to appreciate it. And somebody really enjoyed making it. <laughs> and that's yeah, like, that's all that you can really hope for in the aspect of public art. Going back, Tiffany, to what you said, and Alex, that's a good question. Like, I think about myself um, having done drama performances as a teacher director for many, many years. You grow a stronger appreciation the more you know of that world. And you're just like, you see it from those other perspectives. And you're like, it's just the, the work and the effort to go into those things. And like you said, like even some people are going to hate some of the artwork that they see, but it's good because it invigorated you and it made you stop and think about something in a way mm -hmm. like. I love all the artwork. I think our cities look so much better with street art that's just accessible. Like whether you're in the car and you're at a stoplight or walking by on while you're getting your coffee, it's just like such a nice calming place in the city. And it's a reminder of how beautiful life really is. Definitely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I've never really thought of like the behind the scenes when I see art. Like, do you know the like the silver balls in Edmonton? Edmonton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hear like so many jokes about it and stuff. You just see like all the memes. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I haven't actually thought of like the artist behind that. Like, I feel like that would just like absolutely suck if you were the person to do that. And then you just hear all of this bad feedback. But you know what? For artists, isn't it like even press the bad good press? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's like is people it, is it bad or is about it? it? Like, That's what I'm saying. I feel like, like it's so personal. I'd be so upset if if I made that. I'd be but upset. It, 
but it's bringing people together yet again. Like I made a special trip to go see those silver balls. And I'm sure that's not what that art installation is called. (laughs) (laughs) Silver balls. Everyone knows what we're talking about on Fox trail, but it's like, it makes everyone come together. And that's what I think community art does. Like you're having a conversation about it. And then you're, you both collab on something together. You feel like you have input yet. I have no rights over any of it other than just my eyes viewing it and my ideas. I don't know. That's my answer. Yeah. Yeah. It is is a good point, right? It's, you can only control the art that you put out there, but you can't control the receptiveness. You can't control how anybody's going to view it or feel about it. And that's that part where you kind of have to, once you create something, you have to let go of it, which is super hard. Cause like you said, Alex, your artist is like, when we put something out there, it is an extension of us, right? Like it's a part of you. So any rejection, it's difficult because you feel like it's personal because it's, it is your artwork is usually an extension of you. I mean, that happens with stuff like that. Like those large sculptural installations, it's so common. Like there's one here in Calgary and it's a big, the loop ring. Yeah. It's got Um, a a a lamp post at the top. So it's functional art. Yes, but there are those things, right, where people see it, they're like, what is this? But I think there's also that missing factor that, like, a lot of the public doesn't know is, like, when those calls go out, like, once a call is over a certain amount of money, it goes internationally because we don't always have someone in the city that does sculptures to that Mm. scale right so it's kind of like the calls go really broad and there is so much more conceptualization to installations that aren't just really visible to the eye and that's Mm. where you know it's nice it's really nice when you I because I always think of it from the perspective of my other art form which is the acting side of it in film and theater and it's like you get so many opportunities in that world to see the behind the scenes even if you don't appreciate a movie like once you understand how it was made with art we're not really we don't get those opportunities to see the behind the scenes of specific bigger installations so they're harder to understand and it doesn't matter if people like it or not you're talking about something yeah (laughs) but it makes you think of music too sorry not to hog the airspace here but to me a song means something totally different and i love going to a concert or learning what is that song actually about from the artist perspective there was a lady gaga song where she's talking on the edge of glory that song's actually about her grandmother dying and i was like i didn't interpret it that way but it made a great song so i also think like art can always be a different take for everyone at a different you know season different reason for themselves and that's what's so beautiful about it. Your own interpretation. Mm-hmm. It just leaves you so inspired in many ways. Definitely. And whether you like it or you don't like it, you're still experiencing something, right? Yeah. And it's invoking conversation within you and with others. And that's where I find public art and community art has such an importance in creating community because it creates conversation is where community starts, right? The more we communicate with each other, the more we understand each other and the more we can help each other. So it's like the more spaces we're creating where conversation is happening, whether it's conversation where two people agree or they don't, at least there's spaces being created where we can have those conversations and having them in public spaces, I think is so important. I was just thinking, you know, 
how there's like a lot of focus on mindfulness right now and like taking a minute to pause and reflect. And I don't actively do that in my life. I don't actively be like, okay, I should take this in. What do I smell? What do I see? But the only time I do is when I'm walking down the street and I notice like a mural or something that pulls me out of my monotony. And it just happened to me the other day where I was just walking with a friend and we both just were like, wow, oh my goodness. You know, and I didn't really put two and two together there, but yeah, we were just like brought out of what we were doing to look at art. And that was, that's really cool. How like it can invoke that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I love to hear that because that's like what I, for myself and I think a lot of other artists being sharing it publicly to evoke anything you know what i mean from from anyone that's viewing it is the goal right to share that you talked about like creating art as like a lonely endeavor which is interesting because i think art does bring people together a lot so how do you think art brings us together and then do you like share in that community once it's out there like do you feel less lonely once it's out there or is it still kind of just isolated feelings. Yeah. I mean, I think when like the isolation part, I think comes from a lot of like the creation process of it. Like it is, I think for most careers where you are working alone, right. And even more so from COVID, right. Everybody now works from home and everyone is kind of feeling that, that what artists do, <laughs> just you just work alone all the time in your space. And like, I think like that's where the lonely part is. When I first moved into a, a like a working studio, it was by myself again. Like it was a studio that was not in an arts building. It was in a warehouse and I loved it. And it was like my first professional space. But even there, I was like, I'm still lacking that community need. And once I moved into a space, it's called Neverland and it's an art studio here that's affordable and it's welcoming to all levels of art. So there's not like a, you have to be a professional artist to be here. And moving into here really helped me find that sense of community because the people right next door to me were going to art shows. And then I felt comfortable to also go because before I was just so disconnected. So I find having those communities and hubs within the art community for artists to be able to find ways to communicate with other artists, because the more that we are communicating with each other, the more things that we are going to try and produce for the community. Yeah. But the more separated we are, it's harder to impact a community in, with art individually we kind of have to do it as collective as artists. So for myself, it was a big turning point in finding community once I moved into a space where I felt like I had an art community and we all support each other and do projects together. And it just kind of like, that's for me, like I still have that. It's very lonely in the process of making art and I love that, but it is, it's not for everybody. Once you get to share with your community and then the public and have it create conversations and inspire. to be able to be a part of that yeah. conversation and be inspired and inspire it. That's like that's more than enough for yeah. me personally to keep going. Yeah. Well, where can people take in your artwork for our Calgary listeners and Alex is visiting this winter. So where can I tour her to your murals, your public murals that exist? In yes. The city? Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're visiting and <laughs> some public ones. I have a few downtown along 7th Avenue, like along the um, 
train line. I have one down on 6th and then one down on 1st all along the train line. And then I have one in Bridgeland at the uh, corner block where you can get some ice cream and pizza and coffee. That's the um, one I know of for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. The ice cream is the real draw, you know? <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so those are some of the public ones that are kind of like in the downtown core area. And then my studio is down in Inglewood. Um, oh, nice. Well, Ramsey-ish. Okay. Yeah, it's the old Shamrock Hotel. It was a foreclosure and it's turned, it's an old hotel. So all the hotel rooms are art studios. But yeah, while you're here, just get in touch and I yeah. can give you guys a tour of here. Yeah, cool. yeah. so fun. Totally. And then if our um if our listeners want to check out your work, where can we catch you? Definitely. So online, I am Tiffany Lynn Cuffley. That's where you'll find me. My website, my Instagram, Facebook art page, all Tiffany Lynn Cuffley. Yay. Thank you and so like, much. Listeners need to check you out Definitely. because as soon as Amy was like, go check out her page, I was like, oh, these are these are beautiful murals. We'll have yeah. to take a picture Aww. of Amy and I in front of them. Yes. Yes. Come and visit. That'd be awesome. Well, I thought we'd ask one more question. And I think this is part of what we kind of opened with too, is just the, that drive and everything. So what's a message Mm -hmm. that you would leave for other artists and creators who are currently out there? Oh, that's a good one. I would say a message is to, if I were to talk to my, myself or (laughs) yeah, I, I would also, yeah, I would say to just trust your own intuition and your voice as an artist. And I think that's what is the most important because there's so much noise and there's so much ability to get in the comparison game, uh, especially with online. It's just really, we're seeing everything at really high volumes and high capacity. And it's easy to compare yourself to people at where they are in their careers. But I think the more that we focus on why we're doing what we love and what our voice is and what we have to share, then I think it, yeah, it'll all be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay hopeful. I guess we'll close with our favorite opening question. Um, what's the most <laughs> small town thing about you? Um, Amy, why don't you start us off? What is the most small town thing about you? Yeah, I had the pleasure of driving to Red Deer today and back to pick up my plants. And geez, I think I have a good pitch for Alberta TV. So it's not just small town, but Alberta in general is a small town. But I'm definitely calling this show Scared Shitless, where we all have dash cams and we're just driving around, but it's like on our face about like us like having the conversation because it's just so scary. I hate winter driving. So I would, I don't want to sign up for the show, but I definitely (laughs) could do a great intro video for Scared Shitless. So that's my small town thing. (laughs) Stay safe out there, everyone. Driving. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Tim? Small town thing. I would say probably the most small town thing about me is that I come from a, a massive family. I am one of six kids and that you know, small town, lots of long, cold nights and six yeah. kids there later. Oh, where are you in the the order? The, the pecking order. Yeah. Oh, you're the youngest. I, I, I am the youngest. Yeah. So you know what? That's lots. probably better for you. <laughs> honestly. It, yeah. I mean, I feel like when there's six of you, we all kind of take Suffer. turns being the oldest, <laughs> most <Yeah>. mature. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a we lot of siblings. I don't see that a lot uh, anymore. So it's definitely the most small town thing about me. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, wild. Don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Wild West, everyone. Yeah, none of us remember anyone's birthday. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, Every you're like, I don't know, you? someone's what birthday's probably born? coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every family dinner, you're like, well, there's probably a birthday. We'll have cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> cake. <laughs> Throw some candles on. Everyone's yeah. a little mode. <laughs> Gotta be close to someone's. And Alex, small town thing. Yeah, is right now. I'm house sitting in this really small town, and um by the ocean and I was driving and there's this boat that was capsizing like it was a cargo boat and all of the logs were falling off and I was like oh how do I get a better view and I just like followed the flow of like traffic and people running and like it was just all these cars we all find this lookout these like people are whipping out their binocs and we're just watching this boat like capsize and I just felt like I was like a local it was like me and all these like old people because it's a weekday I'm not working neither of (laughs) them And um, we're all just like watching this boat in the ocean. And I felt like I was like part of the You're town. I up to sea. Yeah. Yeah. We were all, I was like, wanted to borrow this lady's binox, but I was like, pass them over here. Come on. Let's all, let's all get a view. <laughs> Share the monoculars. We're all here yes, taking a spectacle. Amazing. Come on. Yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us and sharing more about your passion and your work and your creativity. And so thank you for the work you're doing. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. No, of course. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun chatting with you both. After show. I am so excited Amy connected us with Tiff. I checked out her artwork on Instagram. It's gorgeous. Please look it up. And the whole time I was thinking about this quote, it's like my Twitter profile. Like I've loved this quote for so long and it's all I want. Finally use it. I can finally use it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All I want to do is be someone who like creates truly meaningful things. I think we all like to have an idea of like putting our mark out there and we do it in different ways. Like I think teachers create meaningful things in a different way too when we're with like our students and and making relationships. But it's really cool to see an artist doing art and creating meaningful things for us. And I think of a quote out of Step Brothers, which is did we <laughs> Step just <laughs> Yes. Did we just become best friends with Tiff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope so. <laughs> but Alex, with you coming this winter, I'm really excited to like link up with her, see her studio, collectively see her art showcased a little bit more through the murals. I want to go on like a, I'll take you on a little art walking tour and that'll be really fun. Jar of questions. If you could freaky Friday with any celebrity, who would you swap with? And so I mean, like basically switch to be in their body for a day. I appreciate that you gave me some time to think about this, but I'm going with my first two picks, which I know you said two. Well, they're kind of interesting. I know, but they're kind of for the same reason. I picked both Elton John and Lady Gaga because I think, and this fits well with our episode, they're fabulous. They are glam and it's for the art, the art, the fashion, the lifestyle. It would just it would be unreal. Even the people around them, I think, would be so inspiring. So I'm going with Elton John and Lady Gaga. Okay, you Even get though- two Freaky Friday days. That's two. illegal, but... That's illegal in Jar of Questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. And I should have guessed Lady Gaga's for you. <laughs> when I say mine, you'll be like, I should have known also. Um, I think I know. Can I guess yours? Okay, go ahead. I also think you picked an artist. Okay. And I think you picked... 
Dermot Kennedy. That's a really good guess because I think I would really love to like, if I got to like see in his head, that'd be really fun because he is like really into his music and I'd love to see how he thinks of songs. But no, I picked Rita Wilson so I could hang out with Tom Hanks for the day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because what's the point of like, if I was Tom Hanks, then I'm not hanging out with him. Like I'm just in his body. And what else gets to be like, oh, Tom Hanks, so cool. But I want to see what he's like during the day and talk to him and hear him joking around. I mean, ultimately, when you're actually like Freaky Friday, you're yourself in that person's body and their life. Is that what you're saying? Like, so. Yes. So that's why I'd be Rita Wilson. So then I could be around Tom Hanks and we could have dinner together and admire him. Yeah. So that's, that's why I picked that. So I could be with the person I want to hang out with for the day. That's a very insightful response. Kind of a loophole. Yeah, to your favorite person. That's a smart idea. Clever, Alex. I just picture like me walking around Elton John's place and it would just be so like decor and I would eat fabulous things and, you know, people would probably pop by and like I get to walk into my studio and yeah. I really think um, people would not think anything was off. If you were in Elton John's body, I think they would be like, yep, he's just as he is. <laughs> just a <their> regular <laughs> self. Like, same old, same old. <laughs> we're just channeling the same type of energy, I think. Yeah, he's just really like eccentric and stuff, you know? And I just feel like even if they were like, mm, something's a little off today, you'd be like, well, that's how he is. <laughs> well, it's me, Elton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's me, Elton. Just call me Elton. Sir Elton John, actually. Fair, fair. He was just recently in Toronto. Actually, I think he was in Toronto when I was in Toronto. My goodness. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. He's been very touring. Cool. See, I don't know if I'd want to do his touring job though. I want, I want to do his days off jobs. Okay. You wouldn't want to like be on stage. I think that would be kind of cool. Okay. I mean, we're talking like a day. So that's a lot of things in a day, but maybe, maybe if I did like one concert that wasn't too far and I just took a private jet to it. And then I just went back to my beautiful mansion. Sure. Okay. That would be fun. Yeah. The stage atmosphere, but then I'd have to, well, I guess I'm in his body so I could sing so okay yeah we're doing it i'm gonna cancel out lady gaga and go with my one and initial response which was elton john okay well i honestly would have never saw that coming so and i know we said we wouldn't sing but i just need to say rocket man (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness with that we turn it to you which celebrity are you freaky fridaying with this podcast is edited by myself avery and music is mixed by Moons Over Mars.